Blog Talk Radio. Hey, this is Anthony C. Ferrante, director of Sharknado. Hi, this is the voice of BattleBots, Mark Biro. This is Seth Shostak, senior astronomer at the SETI Institute. Hi, this is Brad Steiger. Hello, my name is Matt Simon. I am a science writer at Wired Magazine and author of the new book, The Wasp That Brainwashed the Caterpillar. This is Frank Joseph. I'm the author of an essay in the latest book, Lost Secrets of the Gods. Hi, this is Linda Godfrey, author of American Monsters. Hello, my name is Robert Salas. I'm the author of Unidentified, the UFO Phenomenon. Hi, this is Nick Redfern, the author of Close Encounters of the Fatal Kind. Hi, my name is Bob Luca. And my name is Betty Andreessen Luca. Hi, this is Jesse Proofus, the producer of JFK, The Smoking Gun. Hello, this is Marty Langford. I'm the director of Doom, the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. Hi, this is Kevin Randall, author of Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies, and Cover-Up. Hi, this is Tracy Roberts, founder of Positivity. I'm Jeremiah Bomek, the producer of The Real of Horror. Hi, my name is Bill Hall, author of The World's Most Haunted House. Hi, this is Micah Hanks, and I'm the author of the book The Ghost Rockets. And you're listening to Emmy on the Graveyard Shift talk show, blogtalkradio.com. Everybody here tonight on November 29th, 2017. This is 
episode season nine, episode nine, very uh, neatly titled Albert and Emmy chat about the Seminole Heights killer. Now, um, before I go any further, for any of you that are not aware of what this is talking about, first of all, my gosh, turn on the news. I mean, it's it's been all over the place. Um, there's been this story has been developing so much it's been unbelievable and the gentleman that i'll be uh, chatting with tonight is a resident of the area in which this killer was perpetrating his killings unfortunately um but before i go any further i want to i want to um i want to see how much you guys actually know about this so i'm gonna i'm gonna just you know benjamin mitchell Monica Hoffa, Anthony Naiboa, Ronald Felton. Do any of these names mean anything to any of you guys? And if not, that's really a shame because those are the names of all the victims. But I bet you know the name that I'm about to say next. Howell Emanuel Donaldson III. You know that one, right? Day off, Preet Bharat. Yes. No, last week we had... Um, I think we had a time loop episode last week, or I think we had the holidays off. The server producers would not permit us to go on the air last week. But this is – we're back on tonight. So thanks for noticing, Pete. I appreciate it. Um, so anyway, you know, the reason I mentioned these names is because, quite frankly, it's really sad to know that the names of the victims are not as well known as the names of the actual suspect, Okay. I mean, I personally, I think it should be the other way around. I think it should be, you know, the guy that did all this should be a drop in the bucket. And the other people that were actually brave that, you know, um, were victims, those are the ones that we need to remember, you know. Um, So I just wanted to say their names because I think it's very important that we remember these people. Once again, that's Benjamin Mitchell, Monica Hoffa. And um, Anthony Naiboa and Ronald Felton, four victims. And, you know, a lot of people have been talking about, they've been referring to this gentleman as a serial killer. And this is actually something that's uh, a point of contention. It's actually been debated what defines a serial killer. And this is something that I think Albert and I will discuss, um, you know, perhaps debate. Um, you know, I mean, if you look up, if you just Google serial killer, it's it literally says a serial killer is typically a person who murders three or more people, usually in service of abnormal psychological gratification with murders taking place over more than a month and including a significant break or what's considered a cooling off period uh, between them, you know, now. Again, different things, different people, rather, um, have different points of view on what perpetrates, on what defines a serial killer, okay? So um, it depends. I mean, you might not agree with that definition. It really, it really is – there is no actual official – well, I mean, I'm sure the police have their own official you know, uh, definition. I think that's it. So, I mean, this guy did have four people – that he killed. So, I mean, I guess he could be considered a serial killer. Now I want to make sure that we understand that the gentleman that has been, well, in my opinion, he's not a gentleman. 
the person that and by the way the person you see behind me is actually my wife so <laughs> Um, the person that has been arrested and charged is not has not been they did not say he's definitely it. They're saying he's a suspect. Now remember he has rights, just like anybody that has that would have been in the same situation if they would have been arrested, even if they would have been charged, they still have the right to contest the the charge in court. So until the court deems it, this gentleman is innocent until proven guilty. That's a very important, very important point. He is innocent until proven guilty. And guys, you're right. He is. It is very sad. Hi, everybody. So, you know, um, before I bring on uh, Albert, I mean, he's going to be calling in pretty soon. I want to give you a, a little update on who this guy is that I'm going to be interviewing. His name is Albert Fields. He's been working for over 10 years Um in visual print and audio mediums, he is an unbelievably excellent photographer, videographer. He knows how to manip- he knows how to work the drones and everything. Um, in fact, I think this is him right now. Albert, want to want to welcome you to the show. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good, and you? I'm doing pretty good, thank you. So, guys, this is Albert Fields, who's on the on the phone, or rather, on the air with us right now. And for those of you that are watching on Facebook, if you want to listen to the interview between me and Albert, um, go ahead and open a new tab. I'm going to put in um, – let me see if I can find the uh, link here. Give me one second. And I am going to – this link. Okay, I'm going to put the link here on, on our um, Facebook feed. Boom. And then uh, what you guys can do is – I wonder if I can pin it. Yeah, pin it. There you go. Okay, I just pinned a comment on the top of this uh, video feed, and if you guys scroll up and you can click on the link on the new tab and you can listen to the interview. Um, now, Albert, I was just telling the people about you. Can you give us a little more detail on, on your um, career just really quick so people can know you know, a little bit about you as a filmmaker and what, what you do for a living? I have been in the film industry for oh, a couple of decades now where I've done training videos, uh, been in video contests, put together short films, and primarily work in promotional videos, helping people set up videos for different type, types of activity. I've been in the Tampa area for the last five years and live right here in the Seminole Heights area. Uh, very nice area. We picked it because it was close to everything. Uh, we could ride our bikes all around the city out of, out of this central location, and it was great for walking the dogs late at night through the community. And you know, it was just a very nice place to be. So um, that's a little bit about what I've done um, since I've been here in Tampa. Right, and you. Um, I mean, if you live uh, in you know within this area that these that these horrible uh, killings. Happen, correct. That is correct. I, uh, we have a path that we would walk that would be about two miles of exercise for the dogs, and so we do that every day, every day. Sometimes I might even do it twice a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon, but for sure two miles a day. Uh, in fact, the last killing was along one of the routes that we take. Um, uh, the young lady, Monica, was along the route, one of the routes that we take. So um, 
it was it was very close to home for us. You know, yeah, about I it. bet we, it was. I bet. Yeah, we've been living here, and it's been a very quiet neighborhood. It's it's the kind of neighborhood that you you know everybody kind of is to themselves for the most part. Nobody really messes with you. Uh, you speak to the neighbors; they're very pleasant, and mm-hmm. it's that southern atmosphere where everybody just kind of knows you're here. They know you're there, but you didn't have to worry about anything. Right. And, and you know, I'm glad you said that because one of the things that, you know, they've been showing, at least in the news lately, is how tight-knit you guys are. And that's actually something that a lot of us in the, in this area, you know, I'm, I don't know, a lot of our viewers don't know this, but I actually do live very close to Seminole Heights. So okay. when this started, oh, yeah, when this started happening, the police actually came to my house, which was something I was not, I was like, wow, I, that's not something I normally see. And they told me, look, you know, we're just letting everyone know, even though it didn't happen in this neighborhood, still happened pretty close to you. And we're letting you guys know if you don't have to go out at night, we would appreciate it if you didn't, unless you had to, because we don't really know. At the time, you know, this was back in October, I want to say probably after Monica was killed. Um, And they didn't really know the extent of this guy's, you know, path of destruction, as it were. They kind of had a feeling, you know, and, and even her death, I don't know if they actually knew it was the same person. I think they, they, they figured there was a connection, but um, you know, really, I don't think people understand what um, the, you know, how this affects a community. Okay. I mean, these kinds of things, I mean, I really want you guys to understand that when something like this happens, it's not just a fluke. It's not just something that, Oh, well, you know, somebody I don't know got killed. It, no, it, it's somebody that you do know. It's somebody that you probably saw walking their dog, somebody that you, maybe is next door to you. And especially down here where we live, we're very, very close to each other, and we know each other. I mean, I know most of my neighbors. I mean, if something happened to them, God forbid, I would know about it, you know. Um, Albert, bring me, if you can, if, it, if, it's, com- if it's okay for you, um, uh, to talk about, you know, these like this. Can you give me an idea of how did you get an uh, to know about what was happening? I mean, did you were you following it on the news or did you hear about it beforehand? How did how did you find out about all this? After the first killing, most people didn't pay a lot of attention. Uh, the young man got killed didn't didn't pay too much attention. It wasn't until the young lady. Uh, got killed, and they found her. That really, there started to be a buzz about what was going on. And from that point on, you saw more police, you saw more activity between neighbors, you saw more people talking about the situation. Um, I still didn't tie the two together at that point. And then when the young man was killed, when he got off the bus, got off the wrong bus and got shot, and they began to have marches in the neighborhood, uh, that's when my wife and I got involved and and actually went out and marched uh, around the neighborhood as well um, as a show of solidarity that we recognized that this neighborhood uh, had some problem going on in it but didn't know quite what it was. And so you got a chance to see the police come in right after that, after the third killing. They just they swooped down in the area and began to uh well first there was a town hall after the third killing that Monday. Right, right. Yeah. Right. And and and, and all the citizens wanted to know what was going to be done to take care of this problem because we had never had that kind of problem here before. 
it disturbed me in some ways that there was almost we just walked up to a mob mentality kind of attitude from the crowd as the mayor was saying, I'm going to have their heads. And he was he was doing the same uh, Trump thing, calling them SOBs and all that. And so the crowd mm-hmm. was getting stirred up behind all that. And I was kind of concerned that sometimes when you got that much emotion involved, you might mm-hmm. miss some important parts to solving the right. problem. Or, uh, or and, you know, blame the wrong person, you know. And that And that has been my concern even up to yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. When they said 51 days, and they they have a a they are optimistic, and I thought we need a little bit more than optimism. When they said today we have a strong circumstantial case, I was saying you need a little bit more than circumstantial information because right now you can go Google and you'll find at least 20 people have been released this year because of wrongful convictions and because they took circumstantial evidence, and because one lawyer just happened to talk better than the other lawyer, somebody was wrongfully convicted. Yeah, and, so, and you know, and that's, that, yeah, and that's what's so sad about this. You know, I, I actually, I'll be honest with you, at first, when I first heard about that they caught someone, I thought, oh, thank God, maybe it's the right person. And then they didn't really, you know, release a lot of information, so then I thought, oh, God, I hope they didn't catch the wrong guy in this. But now that they're finally, finally starting to release more information about this guy, it, it from what they're releasing, and I want to make sure that I preface this, from the information that is being released, it looks like it's the right person. And when I say this, um, I actually have a clip. A sound clip that is from very recent earlier today um, from um, a police officer. I think it was the chief of police. And he actually gave some pretty key information about the gentleman, uh, about the killer or the suspect, rather. I shouldn't say killer because we don't know if it's him yet. Um, and um, anyway, I wanted to play that. And uh, so you could hear it too, Albert, and then you can give uh, your um, your take on this, if you will. So if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and play this clip of this recent um, press conference uh, that, that was given. And by the way, uh, this sound clip is credited to NBC News. I want to thank them and their press room for giving me the okay to, to play this. So uh, once again, this is NBC News press conference. Uh, I believe it's police, police Chief Dugan speaking. Uh, so if you just give me one second here, um, Albert, I'm going to go to play that and then we'll talk afterwards. As you're aware, we have ar- arrested Hal Donaldson the third, 24 years old. This took place last night. It was about 2.30 in the afternoon when Hal Donaldson showed up to McDonald's where he worked and gave a bag to a co-worker. The co-worker opened the bag when Mr. Donaldson left and found the gun inside. Didn't think much of it, just thought it was strange that there was a gun in there and gave the bag to a police officer who was in the McDonald's. That was the bit of information that we were looking for. The gun is what we needed. The same gun was used in all four murders. I don't think he wanted to get caught. He gave it to her for safekeeping, was going to go out and came back. When he came back is when we came in contact with him and started talking to him. I think it's appropriate that the process take its place. Uh, this is, this I think is Mayor at Buckland. the end of this, if he is found to be guilty, he should die. 
It's that simple. These families will never be the same. But we He's never left a them. Emotional at this point. We told them. That we would never leave. Pretty theatrical. Pretty, pretty theatrical. We did our job. Let the healing begin. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyway, there you go. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I think about how he, kind of, per, uh, <laughs> you so know. Let me give you. Let me give you. Let me give you a backdrop of what has been going on up to this time. Yeah, please do. I yeah. have been writing every morning as I walk around. The police have been mm-hmm. stopping different types of people on the street searching them black men by mm-hmm. the way uh, I, and 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 they have been 60 70 uh some of them were crippled you know some of them were having troubles walking the street but they were searching mm-hmm. them asking them questions checking their bicycles and i began to ask wow. is this too much policing are we becoming a police state here right. in the city and then they gave out a description the person is light skinned, six foot, okay, and I got stopped. Okay, okay, I'm I, I am light skinned. I am six foot. Uh and some people will call me thin. Um, you know, that's that's You relative. are. You're 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 very thin. <laughs> that's really that's because but, you take that's because you take they care of stopped me yeah. also. I got dogs with me, I got identification and everything. They stopped me and begin to ask questions. So I'm I'm watching all of this process go on and I'm saying why are they here in the neighborhood during the day making these kind of stops when certainly the person would not be here? So then we fast forward to yesterday, and now you tell me, I don't think he wanted to get caught, but he walked into his place of employment with a bag, a McDonald's bag in his hand that's heavy, right. and says, here, manager, hold this till I get back. Yeah. Now, now, mind you, his car is in the parking lot. If he didn't want anybody to find that gun, you would have thought that he would have left it in the car first. Egg, yeah, so, exactly. Exactly. You see, and, and so those are the kind of questions with me being a former news person. In my earlier days, being a former news person, I began to ask those kind of questions. When I listened to Dugan talk in that sound check, he says, we got lucky. You got more than lucky. <laughs> this guy handed handed his manager a gun. Okay, the manager then called the police. And on top of that, he didn't even live in the neighborhood. So had he not done those things, this person would still be on the loose. The exactly. police would still be policing this area, harassing black men. And you still wouldn't have been any closer to the killer than you was on day one. Yeah, and you know, and that's so interesting. You you bring up some very, very, very uh, good points because they were going up to all of you guys. It didn't matter who you were. It didn't as long as you were black. That's it. They were coming up to you. And they went you know, in one the, guy's house six times, seven times. I remember six. you telling me this. Uh, can you repeat yeah. that? So they went into this gentleman's house six, six or seven times, times. Seven times. They asked him if they could put a wiretap on his phone they stopped him every time he left his driveway did they think he was a? I mean did he did they at least say that he was a suspect i mean okay so here's how he fit the description he was short five eight he was stocky some people might even call him fat he was uh an older person 
Okay. Okay. So he didn't fit the qualifications. No, I was Another just going to say it doesn't fit. Right. Another friend, black male, 6'2", weighs about 250, has a very nice home, manicured lawn, works every day. They came into his house twice while he was gone, and his daughters were there, and, and, and they videoed in his house, and they searched his wow. house. Wow. Okay? And so his question to me was, what is all this about? So then some one of my Facebook friends says, well, but they're doing that to everybody. Well, I asked some of my Puerto Rican friends, and they said, no, they haven't been to our house. Better not come to our house. <laughs> no. I, okay? Wow. So once they narrowed the search and called it a – once they called the suspect a black man, once they said light-skinned, once they said six feet tall, I said, okay, I'm going to go with that description, but the people I saw them stopping and checking did not fit the description. Right. Okay? So, so, you, so that you're, was a concern. You're, yeah, so you're you're you know you're of the opinion that you know which I would agree based on what you're saying that they really went overboard with who they were questioning and I mean it's you know it's one thing I understand about you know being thorough in an investigation but there's a difference between being thorough and and exaggerating and you know if, if you're to gonna of, for, uh, yeah according to one of the yeah. police they they went into 1,900 houses out here oh my. Gosh, I don't think there's that. Wow. Now, uh, guys, I want to make sure you understand something. Uh, if we can just pause for a second, just so for those of you that are not familiar with this neighborhood, okay, let me give you a tiny bit of information. Seminole Heights, it's a historic neighborhood, and it's located in central Tampa. It includes a lot of early 20th century bungalow homes and historic buildings, okay? And basically, I mean, you're looking at a population of eh, maybe 25,000. Roughly. And, you know, it's not a place that's known for crime to occur in. Not not like this, not regularly. Okay, I mean, everywhere, you know, there's crime all over, of course, but not like this. So, you know, when something like this happens, it kind of shakes people, you know, it makes them think, well, what the hell, you know, so that that's why this has kind of been. uh you know, affecting us in this way. Albert, um, you said that they approached you. What what kind of things did they ask you? I'm curious. Uh oh. Something happened, I think. Albert, are you there? Yeah, oh, okay. are you there? Okay, I thought I hit the wrong button there for a minute. Oh no, that's okay. <laughs> that's are you there? <laughs> yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I was like, Oh my goodness, I hit the wrong button here at the wrong time. No, that that's okay, my friend. I was just going to ask you when they approached you, um, what 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 kinds of things did they question you about? What did they ask you? Where I lived, what I, what I was doing walking on the street, I was walking on. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. What what was I doing walking on that particular street? And I said that's the route well, I take every day. Um, right. And and so, you know, I, I felt a little invaded. I felt a little uh, pressed upon. Um, to have to be stopped. Because think about it. Well, some people may not understand, but as a black male in America, that's one of our biggest fears, that the police are going to stop you for no reason, take you in, and question you. Mm-hmm. And it's right. grounded upon or hurt, or hurt you. Or, so. or, yeah. yeah. Or worse, or worse yet, you never make it to the station. Yeah. And And this is the part that that's why I'm concerned about this situation. I looked at both the videos that they showed 
the first early set of videos and then the last video where the Felton person was killed. That looked like two different people to me. And so uh, we looked at it, my wife and I looked at it several times to say, there there may be another shooter out there. So I, I have not dropped my guard in this situation. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. And at this particular point, this person that they have in custody has said emphatically, that is my gun that you have, but I did not kill anybody with it. Hold on a second. So you're saying that they already where, – where did you hear about this, on the news? I heard that on the news this afternoon. Okay, because that, this is the, the first that I've heard of this. I've, this is uh-huh. the first that I've heard of this. So he Breaking said – news uh, for you, Emmy. <laughs> yeah, apparently, because I didn't know – I did not hear this part. So he said that that was his gun, but he didn't kill anybody with it. He said, that's my gun, but I have not killed anybody. Now, well, the only thing the police have verified is that every person killed has been killed with a forty millimeter. Well, mm-hmm. several people in the neighborhood have those weapons, and until they get the ballistics back, right. that's the only information they have at this particular point. Right, because all they, all they know it, is that the gun itself matches. Now, they're still right. – we still haven't heard back about the ballistics as far exactly. as I know. From the information I have, they haven't. But they do know that exactly. the gun matches. But like what you just said, several people own that type of weapon in that neighborhood anyway. So it could – I mean they can't just go just because of the weapon. Now, I will say this, okay? I will tell you this. It, it is a – come on. It is really, really suspicious that this guy – First of all, brought a gun with him to a McDonald's and gave it to someone, saying, "Here, hold it." And I mean, what, what in God's name was he thinking? Like, what and did he? Of course, the they're going to report him. With that information right there, and the police chief saying, "I don't think he wanted to get caught." Exactly, what was that about? And and my know, inquiring mind just wants to know. Yeah, you know, same here. I, I mean, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. It, it sounds strange. That this gentleman, this person, would do this after being after eluding police for so long, fifty-one days, guys. That's a lot of time. That's a long time being. I mean, that's that is a long time. And all this time he's been eluding police, and all of a sudden, what gets him caught is he himself being stupid. I mean, they I, couldn't I even. I don't catch call that stupid, Emmy. I mean, when you walk in there, you know, it's okay. A young lady walks into your studio right now with no clothes on, and then she says, Emmy has an to look and stare at me. That's a normal reaction. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay? You bring me right now a hamburger sack, and that hamburger sack weighs about five pounds. I want to know what's in that hamburger sack. Right, that's true. Because I know Big true. Macs don't weigh that much. They might be <laughs> well, big. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Albert, I don't know, man. Have you seen? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, um, yeah, right. Where's the beef? I know, right? right. Okay. With, with, with what they're making hamburgers with nowadays, right? No, but no, seriously, look, I'll, it's it's true. I mean, my thing is like what you said earlier in the is is accurate. I mean, he should if he really didn't want to get caught, he would have left it in the car. Okay. Yes. I mean, I think he did want to get caught, or else why would he give the gun to someone to hold on to? And then, and then you wonder why did he want to get caught? Like, is, is I don't even want to hear about he felt guilty. That's please somebody with this type of mindset. 
that killed this many people out of randomness or whatever the reason was that he did it. There's no guilt here. I'm sorry, but I don't think there is. Here's another piece of data I heard this afternoon. Yes, please. His phone, they were tracking his cell phone and how he used it after every killing they could track his phone being used in the area where the murders occurred, right? Right, because he, yeah, he would flip his phone. for the last one. Oh, interesting. Except for the last one. So the first three, a phone, he made a phone call that hit the tower that was somewhere in that area. Hmm. Except for the last one. On the fourth call, I mean on the fourth killing, he, they don't show him making any phone calls after. Second of all, by now, surely you would say, I wonder who he called. And then go talk to them to see what they know about the person. So, like I said, there are a lot of questions. And had they not just released about 20 guys out of Chicago for false information, Mm-hmm. Had they not just released or just paid out $5 million in New York to five guys who they accused of rape, who the president said we need to hang them, had they not mm-hmm. uh, let go several other people around this country for the same kinds of things that we have now, strong circumstantial evidence, I would probably stop questioning. Right. No, I'm I understand. Denying, I mean, yeah. You hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying yeah, yeah. the police are wrong. I'm just saying there are some questions I need to have answered to get a better understanding. You know, uh, and, and, it, and I that's know what you, like me, I bet you, you would like to have him on your show just to sit and talk to him to find out what was on your mind. What made you do that? What, what led up to this? Tell me a little bit more about your background. Give me some understanding of what would make you randomly shoot three people that we don't think you know anything about. You know, help me understand. I, I, I'm trying to get into the mindset of what would make a person do that. That just graduated from St. John's University, has a job, could have gotten another job, was interviewing, from my understanding, for another job. So mm-hmm. you, you got young, gifted, talented, and mysteriously crazy or stupid or something going on here. I'm not sure what that yeah. is. Well, maybe it's a combination of all of those things, amazingly. Somehow. All I know is is that our household still plans to be vigilant. Um, I changed the walking pattern so that we do it all during daylight hours now. Uh, we're not good. walking late at night anymore. Uh, we're not That's walking. Smart, I used to get yeah. 530 and walk, so we're not walking 530. In fact, the morning that uh, the last person was killed, they were killed around 5 o'clock, and normally I would have been walking at 530, that same route. So uh, I felt lucky in that sense. Um uh, that's how close it hit to me. Plus, I used to see the Felton guy ride his bicycle through the area a little bit. So wow. It, 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 wow. it really was close in that sense. So I think it opened up some more wounds for the black side of this community because of the policing. I well, think, sure. Yeah, I think it opened up some eyes of the other community to understand things can happen here, even though we thought we lived in a very, very safe neighborhood. Things can happen if we're not paying attention to what's going on. So that's the way it looks. Yeah, I mean, any, absolutely, you know, anything can happen at any point or to anyone. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, we always, 
I think all of us can do with being vigilant, not necessarily being scared all the time, because that's what we, that's what these evil people want. They want us to always be scared and wondering, Oh my God, am I going to be the next one? You know? Um, but I think it doesn't hurt to be careful or to just be cautious, you know, be aware of your surroundings. You know, it's, it, it's easy to get into a sense of, blind security thinking that oh nothing's going to happen to me today i'm fine you know it doesn't have to be a person hurting you it could be a vehicle if you're not paying attention to what you're doing and somebody's driving badly they could nick you you know just like or a dog a dog can be away from their leash and bite you i mean anything can happen i mean i'm not saying to be always scared i'm just saying you know be aware and you know and and that's just the way things are now and and you know i i wanted to um, kind of jump on the point you made about how this is affecting, especially the black community, because, you know, that's kind of one of the things that's so sad about this is this might very well be the one time I shouldn't say the, it's not the only time. Okay. I want to make sure that I am very clear about that. I'm just saying this just may be one of those times that the police are absolutely right and they're doing a good job, but, but, because of all the things that have been going on, because of all the terrible incidents that have been happening between the police all over the country, not just here, and the black community, yeah, they're going to be, you know, you guys are going to be very worried and concerned and, and not ready to jump on the bandwagon of, hey, good job. Because I think that's what they want. You know, you can kind of tell from all these interviews and press conferences, they want to be told, good job and and you know, we, you did it. Well, yeah, we feel that way, but we don't want to just, you know, give up our ghost and give, no, that's not the right term, but you get what I'm saying. You know, you want to be, you don't want to say, oh, we give you all of our, you know, freedom, all of our, you know, we trust you now. You know, that's, that's, I don't think that's going to happen until, (laughs) I don't even know when, quite frankly. I mean, one of the posts I made about a week ago, I said, I am worried because they stopped me, and you would call me uh, I have a job, good citizen, you know, pay my taxes, the whole nine yards. Absolutely. The other neighbors Absolutely. I told the same way. So I said, but you're going to run into some brother out there who's not going to be as friendly, who's not going to be as nice, and this, it's going to escalate into something that you don't want to have happen, and that is the police shoot the wrong person. Well, well and that's what, and that actually has happened before. That's actually, you know, if they they have um, run into someone to people that just don't want to be talking talked to and approached, and you know, sometimes yeah, it's turned into an unfortunate uh, shooting or or worse. Well, two days ago, it almost got to that point. Uh, as I was coming down the street, I heard yelling, and I oh, heard boy. the guy says, get off me, leave me alone. Wow. As I approached, there were police around him. They had his bicycle. They were they, He's on a bicycle. He must be 60, over 60-ish, over 60-ish, uh, gray beard, and, and he's mad. He's mad because they're harassing him in his mind. And he's saying, leave me alone. I've not done anything. And they're saying, well, where are you going? And that could have easily, one more step over that line, now you have a guy 
who has committed no crime, who the police now have shot. Now the police have got to explain some things. You've got to explain to his loved ones what has happened, and it's the wrong person on top of it because the person you're after is somewhere on the other side of the airport enjoying maybe breakfast, sitting yeah. around with his family, having a great time, and you have no idea who he is because right. that part of the police work has not been done. You're right. So, and you know, one of our one of our viewers commented saying, you know, they guess that we're in a war zone. I I don't know if I would go that far. Um no. I mean I, I would say that we are in a heightened sense of I don't even know if paranoia is the right word, heightened sense of, of unease. And and the fact is because of um and I don't know about dark times either. I mean, I know you guys are, and, and if you want to think that, that's fine. I mean, you're you're very welcome to your opinion. I just think that what's happening is that there's a lot of these things happening. There's a lot of these terrible incidents going on, and you know, as a reporter, as a as a talk show host, we have to talk about this. We have because that's what that's what we do for a living. And if as a community, if we don't come together and talk like me and Albert are doing, then we'll never, you know, we, we've got to stay like this. We've got to be able to talk about these things because guess what? The police are doing their jobs in the sense of questioning people. And, you know, that's all they can do. That's the extent of what they can do. They're not going to sit down and hold our hands and say, hey, are you okay? They should. They should, but they won't. And Here, that's here's what my concern. So here's, yeah. here's my concern, though, Emmy, and, and and you make a good point. I don't expect them to hold my hand. I right, expect right. them to use all of the skills that they've been trained to solve a crime without stepping on my toes, or, or the, with the least amount of stepping on my toes is what I right. expect. And when you started talking through who this person is supposed to be, and you begin to see who's being stopped and harassed, you say it doesn't fit the profile. No, it definitely doesn't. fit the information. So maybe we're looking in the wrong, and I kept saying, maybe we're looking in the wrong place for the individual. Well, lo and behold, we were. Lo and behold, because the this community doesn't feel like a war zone because we don't have shootings every day. Right. What was unusual was the amount of police that were here during the last 40, well, I guess the last 30 days. That's when it really, really got serious. The last Yeah, I think days, you, guys, really. you guys even had, like, police on horseback. Isn't that correct? We had horseback. We had motorcycles. We had state troopers. We had county wow. troopers. We had people brought in from other parts of the state. Um, you know, we had bounty hunters in here. Okay, trying to track killers wow. down. Now, and see, now I want to I want to pause you right there because I uh, some people might say, "Hey, what are you complaining about?" Look, guys, you don't understand. When it's a bounty hunter, that's not an officer. That's a private no. citizen. That's a private citizen that's doing on their own, going and deciding, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna okay. Let me let me give you an example. Would you guys be okay with?" Dog, the bounty hunter, dog, the guy that's on TV, would you be okay with him going to your house <laughs> and, hey, get, you know, are you him? You know, think about it. I want you to think about how that guy does his show, okay? Now, obviously, I'm not saying all the bounty hunters are like that, 
But my point is that's what Albert is is talking about. There's those types of people over there. On top of that, you have the police and who God knows how many private investigators that have been called in. I mean, it's there is such a thing as too much because when you have too many people in one area looking for the same person, uh, you know, odds are they're not going to find the right person. There, there's yeah. So I can understand why there would be some concern. I, and, I, I um, want to see, I want to see the right amount of police doing the right amount of work to get the right answer. That, that's that's what every citizen wants. We want you to protect and serve uh, is what we want you to do. That's what you're paid to do. Not come in and begin to search and direct us. Uh, because ask yourself, whoever's listening, ask yourself, how many times would the police have to knock on your door unexpectedly during a month's time before you finally say, why do you keep coming back here? And right. then that would explain to you why these people I'm telling you about are a little upset about the policing that's going on because they came when you come to your house five times six times seven times follow you into the subdivision follow you out of the subdivision uh track you and try to figure out where you're going and you're working every day that doesn't make right. you paranoid see i don't i don't want that happening to me i think i think it would make me too concerned um you know uh i work with the naacp and we chief dugan spoke at the meeting right after Felton was shot. And we asked him, first of all, we're trying to heal from where you used to stop blacks for riding bikes. And there was a big case about that. And he said at that particular time, we thought we were doing the right thing. Now you know, now, and he said, and basically he was saying, now we know it wasn't that good of an idea. Right. And my thinking is the same way on this. You may think you're doing the right thing, but you need to take a step back and look. You have other instances that you should be able to use as history to show you that when you harass, and that's what it looks like to us, when you harass one segment of a community, don't be surprised if that community is not that friendly towards you. Don't right. be surprised right. if we're not a little bit skeptical about your concern for our community. Okay. And that's historical. I mean, you, you you get you get through one situation, and now we're back into another situation. So, I'm hoping that if this is the person, this is the only person. That's the first thing I'm hoping for. Yeah, I hope. And so. if this is that person, that we are able to prove it, because I see mistake after mistake. They said they're mm-hmm. not going to do the perp walk where they show the guy being taken from the jail to the other because they did that one one other case. And the defendant used that against the prosecutor, and they got off. Yet, they had to perp walk for this person here. So you tell me what the answer is, and you turn around, and you tell me how to stay away from bad things happening to your case, and you turn around and do the very things that you say was a bad thing. Right. By the way, for those of you who are not familiar, when Albert's talking about a perp walk, he's talking about the – time when they it's it's now become like a famous thing unfortunately where um it's like a media circus where they have uh the suspect usually in handcuffs sometimes his head's covered sometimes it's not uh walking from either one security installation to a car or from one security installation to another and while they're doing that you know it's you know a lot of cameras going off and all that stuff and of course one of the most famous perp walks is lee harvey oswald 
back in the JFK yeah. assassination, just to give you a point of reference. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I'm listen. I can't. It's it would be impossible to debate this because really, it's true. You know, there has been too much precedent of of things going wrong with this, and you know, we just hope and pray as you guys do that these things are being done correctly and that the right person was arrested. I mean, taking from what they're saying, it sounds like the right person, but you know, it's okay to be cautious. It's okay. Like we were saying earlier, it's okay to, you know, let's be cautiously optimistic about this and let's hope it's the right person. And most important that there's not somebody else. So, and uh, Albert, I, I just, you know, I want to tell you, because we're running out of time, I want to tell you, thank you so much for taking the time to come on here. I mean, you know, I think you guys are brave, you know, being in that, in this, during all this time that you guys were out there and you were marching in solidarity. And I, of course, want to, you know, extend my deepest condolences to the families of those that were killed, um, Brutally, heartlessly, by this this despicable person. Um, let's never forget those names, guys. Let's never forget the names that I um, that I um, mentioned earlier today, and I'm gonna mention them one more time. Um, see if I see if I can look at these. I had them on here. Um, one more second, please. Benjamin Maria Anthony. Yeah, Benjamin. And yeah, Monica. Yeah, Monica. Right. Right. Monica, and, uh, Monica, yeah. Monica, right, and uh, yeah, Benjamin Mitchell, Monica Hoffa, Anthony Naiboa, and Ronald Felton. Let's not forget yes. those names, please. With, those are the ones that we have to remember. Not the person who's the suspect. I mean, unless they're wrongfully accused, that's different. But the let's not glorify this killer because that's what they want. They want to be glorified. Let's glorify the people are being affected. Okay. Um, anyway. Everybody stay safe, you know, and Albert, you guys have my, uh, my, my well wishes and everything. And, uh, we'll, you know, if, by the way, if you guys want to see Albert's work, you can go to my videos page on Facebook. He was the, the, the lead videographer on my Tampa theater special episode of the graveyard shift. So you'll, you, you'll see a picture of him in the intro credits and he's done a lot of other stuff. You've done like a lot of, drone-related videography, too, on your page, right, Albert? Right. Uh, I've been doing drones here now for a few years now. Um, yeah, I mean... Yeah. And you might even see a ghost on that video. I I keep thinking I saw one pass by when I was doing the editing on it. <laughs> really? I'm, I'm going to yeah, have I mean, to look at that. I don't want to start any rumors, okay? <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. <laughs> hey, listen, all I know is when we were doing that one shot that I was upstairs and I was talking right. to Jill... I can tell you, I do. I honestly and truthfully, before she said anything, my stomach did feel knotted. You know, right. I really felt like, uh, you know, something. And then she told me people were complaining about that, and I was like, oh my god, no way. So yeah, but if those guys, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, just go to the videos page, look at the Tampa Theater Graveyard Shift season eight finale. It has tons of views, and it was really, really fun to to do. And who knows, maybe we'll come back again someday. Albert, thanks okay. again for your time, my friend, and thanks for uh, coming on. And uh, we'll hey, hopefully we'll, we'll have you on. Too, okay? right. I'm sorry, what? 
I said, keep up the good work. Oh, thanks, buddy. You too, my friend. You take care. All right. Take care. All right. See ya. Yeah. Bye-bye. Guys, want to thank Albert once again for coming on uh, to the graveyard shift tonight. Everyone, you guys have a good night. Stay safe out there. Next week, hopefully, well, not, maybe not necessarily next week, but very soon, we'll be having Paul Jeffrey Davids, who's an author, a uh, paranormal author. He's going to be uh, discussing his book, Blowing America's Mind, a true story of Princeton, CIA, Mind Control, LSD, and Zen, which is an insider expose about college kids being used as guinea pigs in the CIA's mind control experiments. Um, it's, uh, a, it's based on a true story that documents uh, the experiences of some people as guinea pigs in secret CIA mind-controlled deep hypnosis research, and it really reads like scenes from a movie. Um, and the authors, which are um, John Selby and Paul Jeffrey Davids, um, you know, documented their experiences a few years after graduating, but realized that the confessions and self-exposure involved was more than they were prepared to reveal at the time. So in this book, it's it's really something. And by the way, Paul is quite the accomplished author. He is the co-author of six Star Wars books for Lucasfilms. And he was also production coordinator and writer for the original animated Transformers TV series. And John Selby is a noted author, psychologist, and researcher of mind-brain exploration and uh, worked with leaders in companies such as Citibank Europe, the Alliance Group, the American Airlines Pilots Association, Plantronics, and a lot more. So stay tuned. I'm hoping to have them on or hoping to have Paul on next week. If not, week after depends on, you know, when our schedules can can um, jive, as it will. So anyway, thanks so much for watching, guys. I'll see you again next Wednesday night, 9 p.m. We will be on. And uh, thank you, all of you, for all of your opinions and comments. And we'll see you next week on the Graveyard Shift Talk Show. And this is Emmy, and I am, where is it, out of here. Peace.